it's Nick Brown, Editor-in-Chief of Archives of Disease in Childhood. Welcome to November Atoms. Let's talk about World Cup winners. Hugo Lagerkrantz's editorial, based on the recent Lancet paper by Zilberstein, examining relative child mortality in Sweden and England, reinforces some home truths. Unsurprisingly, as the largest contributor to the numerator, the greatest difference is in neonatal outcome. And this, one can only infer, must in part be due to network organisation. Almost all extremely preterm deliveries in Sweden take place in eight central tertiary units, minimising high-risk ex-utero transport. This, coupled with generally better antenatal health and care of high-risk mothers through, for example, the routine use of interpreters for immigrant families, can only help. As a half-Swede myself, I feel reasonably well-placed to make a judgement on the relative merits of each system. This piece should help you to do so too, and is my editor's choice of the month. Global Child Health. Clinical information networks have received a great deal of attention, but few pieces describe their potential, as well as that by Imiru and colleagues at the Kemri Institute in Kenya. They describe the evolution of a national network as a learned health system within child health over five years, the main aim of which is to improve child care through standardising good practice and the promotion of basic technologies and research. Jointly initiated by the Kenyan government, Kenyan Paediatric Association and the University of Nairobi, these bodies contribute authority and coordination, professional endorsement and funding and technical expertise respectively. Recent examples include the now near universal implementation of the paediatric admission record and mid-upper arm circumference as part of the routine examination as a screen for severe acute malnutrition. These successes should not belie the fact that such programs need continued effort and that short-term bullets rarely enhance long-term sustainability. Voices One of the premises of the new Voices section was the preservation of child health history, both out of respect to our roots and to place today's practice into context. As part of this series, C and colleagues mark the 50th anniversary of the European Society of Paediatric Nephrology. The society was founded in Glasgow in 1967, and in a piece and video celebrating advances since its inauguration and the life and work of Gavin Arneal, who died earlier this year, the reminiscence of the pioneers in the field form part of the oral history of child health. These are respectively recorded in this piece and on the society website. When is equivalence not inferior? As a result of enthusiasm to replace expensive, difficult to administer or side effect ridden standard treatment with an alternative of comparable effect, there has been a recent surge in interest in paediatric non-inferiority and equivalence studies. However, they are poorly understood both at statistical and philosophical levels. Often confused, they are inherently different to both standard superiority trials and to each other. This is why OPA and colleagues' systematic review is so refreshing. Of the 125 eligible studies they found, all of which post-date 1991, the majority were non-inferiority drug studies. In less than a third were all the components required for an adequate sample size estimate available at the outset. Many were underpowered, and in a number a continuous outcome chosen instead of a more informative, but sample size demanding, dichotomous one. These are still early days for such studies, and having been involved with one myself for several years, can appreciate this piece even more. Primary obesity prevention. 
as interventions to treat obesity have, let's be honest, been almost universally disappointing, the focus has shifted to primary prevention. The association between rapid early, in other words, infant weight gain, one predictor of which is formula feeding, and laser obesity has been consistently demonstrated. And with this in mind, the WHO and UK infant energy intake recommendations were revised to approximately 85% of the preceding values in 2004 and 2011, respectively. Latchman and colleagues sought to address this with a parallel limb randomised control trial in milk substitute fed infant parent diets aimed at feeding behaviour modification. Families were randomised at 14 weeks and the intervention delivered by trained facilitators included three motivational components. These were to facilitate the reduction of formula milk intake to levels compatible with the WHO EAR, to promote responsive feeding and to monitor growth to prevent excess weight gain, defined as a change in Z-score of plus 0.67. Though there were initially significantly smaller milk volume intakes between two and six months in the intervention group and a small reduction in early weight gain, this was not sustained. By 12 months, there was no difference in change in Z-score or calorie intake, with 16% of all children exceeding the WHO recommendation and 40% of children gaining weight faster than the cutoff. This conveniently brings us round full circle to pre-primary prevention. In Sweden, breastfeeding rates at 4 months are of the order of 75%, and the UK at 3 months of the order of 23%. One way or another, as David Barker told us many years ago, we simply need to start earlier. Thanks for listening. Do re-listen to this podcast and look at the current issue on the website adc.bmj.com.